Three top-shelf starters got hurt over the weekend, while several saves went to some surprising relievers. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three O-Brews yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, July 27th. I'm Al Melkier, and kicking off the week with me here is Derek Van Riper and DVR. A busy, busy weekend that we will get right to. But just a reminder to everybody, that first pitch on Monday is at uh, 3.40 in the afternoon Eastern time. So hopefully you're listening to this early. Uh, make sure you get those lineups in. Uh, so yeah, we had some, uh, save situations, some, um, closer situations rather that were maybe even more fluid than we expected. We're going to get to a whole bunch of those, but, uh, let's kick things off here by talking about three, uh, ace type pitchers who, uh, all got hurt over the first weekend of the shortened season. Justin Verlander, uh, has a forearm strain. Uh, there was an initial report that he, he would be done for the season, but that's not necessarily the case. He is going to be shut down for at least a couple of weeks, according to Dusty Baker, still the possibility that Verlander misses the rest of the season. Steven Strasburg misses, missed his start on Saturday with a nerve issue in his right hand, and Corey Kluber left his uh, Sunday start after just one inning after experiencing some tightness in his shoulder. He will undergo some further examination on Monday. So uh, DVR, what are the what are the uh, fallouts from these situations that we uh, need to know going into the uh, the coming week here? Well, the Astro situation is strange because we don't really know who the first choice is going to be to take Verlander's spot in the rotation. I think waiting a little while, a week or two, and trying to get a feel for whether he can start throwing again before dropping him is probably the best way to approach Verlander himself. But whether it's Christian Javier or Forrest Whitley or Cy Sneed or Brandon Bielik, it could be anybody <laughs> really in the pool <laughs> at this point. I think by this point, many of us expected Forrest Whitley to be someone who would be ready for an opportunity like this. And it's just hard to tell if the Astros have enough confidence in where he's at in his development to give him that starting role at this time. So I made a couple of low bids on Christian Javier on Sunday night. Very minimal bids, only in leagues where I had the flexibility to potentially take a zero this week because the first turn that Verlander will miss is against the Dodgers anyway, so it's a pretty tough matchup. I don't know if I'd even throw Javier or Whitley into my lineup in most situations, given that tough matchup, uh, but I do want to take a chance for a couple of fab dollars and see if I could sort of guess right in the situation. The other ones are a little easier to figure out. At least there's a shorter list of replacement options in both cases. We saw Eric Fetty replace Strasburg on Saturday. Um, I, I think if I'm dealing with Strasburg this week and I have to make a call early Monday afternoon to, to lock him in for the week or not, just looking at his comments about the whole situation, it kind of seemed like he was erring on the side of caution. And I would probably sit him down unless my alternative was really bad. You know, I, I I think just getting innings is really important. Getting at bats is really important on the hitter side. And we can't afford to take zeros. So I'm playing a little more aggressively than usual when it comes to uh, sitting down a star level player if there's a legitimate concern that he's going to miss some time. 
Yeah, and I think with Strasburg, that makes a lot of sense because even if he makes a start this week, um, if that issue isn't resolved, that could really impact his effectiveness. So I, I think you phrased that just right, that unless you just really don't have anything close to a viable option, that's that's a sensible move. And I think probably even more so with Corey Kluber, and you can tell me if you, you see this a little differently, but you know when you've got something with, with the shoulder, it seems like that could take even longer to resolve. Yeah, I, I'm pretty worried about Kluber left after one inning of a start on Sunday. The Giants have two off days coming up this week, so they have a little more wiggle room with how they can handle things. You know, I would guess at a bare minimum, he's going to miss that start against the Giants that he sort of penciled in for on Friday, which is really too bad because the Giants are a team that you definitely want to pick on. I think in that case, though, if you're going to put Colby Allard or Joe Palumbo in that spot, they both become streamable pitchers if they get the opportunity. But having those two off days, the Rangers could work around it. Yeah, no, that's right. And uh, Palumbo did come in relief for uh, Kluber. It wasn't you know, uh, exceptionally effective. So uh, definitely some risk with, with both of those options. Uh, also, some uh, other, actually a lot of other injuries and some other uh, COVID-19 situations that we'll get to. Let's go to the uh, bullpens first. Uh, Ken Giles uh, has uh, an elbow ailment. And so there was a lot of speculation on Sunday Night Fab as to whether or not his replacement would be um, Anthony Bass or Rafael Dolis. And seemed to be pretty split. I'm kind of team bass, but not, not strongly enough that I actually bid on either reliever. But this this definitely looks like one of those situations where um, you know there, there's going to be a replacement there for some period of time. So how did you deal with that? I put a few low bids in on Anthony Bass, but Dolis pitched really well in Japan for the better part of the last four seasons. So I would say there's at least a chance that he could emerge to be an option if Giles misses a lot of time. I think the reason I went with Basto is because he pitched the eighth in a high leverage situation against the Rays in the very game in which Giles suffered the injury. So just sort of connecting the dots and the usage, that's what stood out the most to me. Bass has been pretty good each of the last two seasons, uh, mostly keeping the walk rate down. He's not overpowering out of the bullpen but he's good enough to hold on to the job if he gets that chance. I guess the longer-term dark horse consideration might be someone like Jordan Romano, but I think the initial opportunities are going to go to Bass with Dolis maybe being the next guy up if Bass falters. Yeah, well, that's how I, I read it as well. Um, but a number of other bullpen situations that were uh, kind of up to up for grabs and not necessarily ones that you expected. Um, I really didn't have any concerns about Ian Kennedy being the uh, Royals closer, but he came in in uh, basically a middle relief situation and Greg Holland picked up the save and was very effective in doing so. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal remains uh, an option that Royals bullpen Mariners bullpen definitely uh, has been looking like it's uh, been up for grabs, but Taylor Williams got the save there on Sunday and was um, even used on Saturday. So I, that actually emboldened me to make some bids on him. And I did get him in our tout wars league. Uh, Oliver Drake got a save for the Rays, And as a Nick Anderson owner, I am hating the Drake. And Trevor Gott got a save for the, the Giants. Cole Sulser got a two-inning save for the Orioles, but uh, that was uh, one day after Michael Givens had pitched. So not sure if there's much to read into any uh, into that particular situation. But out of this group, is there anybody that you're really kind of um, you know gung-ho to go after? And I know there's one that you got in the Tout Wars League, and, and you outbid me for him. 
Yeah, Greg Holland is the guy that kind of stands out just because of the way Kennedy was used, the fact that he's done it before. I think Trevor Rosenthal pitched the eighth inning of that game, so just a totally different bullpen look than what we were expecting. And if we go back to spring training, Mike Matheny was not committing to Ian Kennedy as his closer, so I guess he's had some designs on maybe using Kennedy in a multi-inning relief role, which could be a way of really maximizing the overall contributions he makes as a former starter maybe getting two or three innings out of him is the best way to use him as opposed to trying to use him to get saves maybe that's the optimal configuration for the entire group they have thing that stood out to me with greg holland is the velocity is still down quite a bit from where it was at his peak but he's about a full mile per hour above where he was at with his fastball a year ago in arizona through a ton of sliders in that outing on Saturday. I think that's going to be a key for him, really throwing a lot of sliders and curveballs and minimizing the use of that fastball if possible. Yeah, and you know, bear in mind too that when we're looking at these velocity readings, whether it's relievers or starters, this, you know, this is the first weekend of the series of the season. And I you know, I understand it's not March or April, so maybe we weight that a little bit differently, but still I think that uh, there's going to be some ramping up to do. So I'm I'm cutting some pitchers a little bit of slack if they're um not quite up to their usual level. And if they're at or above, I, I'm viewing that as a good thing. Baseball is back and we're very glad to see that, but it may seem like there's something missing. And just maybe, just maybe it's a mug made out of a baseball bat. Yeah, you know, just a just a hunch there. It's worth a try. Uh, there's a company called Dugout Mugs, a company that was started in a college baseball dugout uh, that makes 12-ounce mugs out of the barrel of a baseball bat. They're licensed by Major League Baseball. Your favorite team is laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. It's the perfect thing to have for the big game or just to put on display or, uh, you know, just to be the life of your party. It's a great thing to have around and help you enjoy baseball. And it's a very unique gift that you won't uh, likely find anywhere else for uh, the baseball fan in your life. So just go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use the promo code MLB 30 for 30% off of your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and the code MLB 30 fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Uh, a lot more uh, to talk about here in terms of uh, injuries and health issues. So DVR, I'm just going to run through the list here and leave it for you to kind of pick out uh, the highlights because there's there's just so much uh, to talk about here. Uh, Mike Moustakis was placed on the injured list by the Reds with um, uh, what uh, you know I'm terming an illness. Um, he the way I read it was he woke up not feeling well. And again, uh, there's been no revelation there in terms of anything related to COVID or anything else. So I don't, you know, want it to, you know, overstep uh, and and assume too much. But uh, he was placed on the injured list. Uh, Josh Van Meter started for him on Sunday against the Tigers. Nick Senzel also scratched with uh, a similar situation there. Eloy Jimenez is day to day. He crashed into the outfield wall in the White Sox game on Sunday. And in that same game, Ronaldo Lopez left his start early with shoulder tightness. Uh, so a couple of issues there for the White Sox. Four players on the Marlins have tested positive for COVID-19. Jose Arana, who was the scheduled starter on Sunday, um, so, uh, you know, no go for him. And he's got a positive COVID test. Garrett Cooper, Harold Ramirez, and Jorge Alfaro uh, also positive tests for them. Eduardo Rodriguez, of course, tested for uh, COVID-19 a few weeks back. Uh, he is now being diagnosed with myocarditis, which is related uh, oftentimes to an infection. So uh, that was the... 
the setback that uh, was reported a few days previously. So um, out of all those situations, what what do we really need to be mindful of uh, going into the week? You know, I think with the Marlins and, and the Reds, just kind of keeping an eye on the news to see if there's anybody else who's affected. I mean, this Marlin situation is really an outbreak. We're talking about four players testing positive. That's a, that's a huge number and a, a massive change in a very short period of time. This is something that I kind of feared as teams started to travel away from their home parks at the end of summer camp. The exposure to different people by being on the road, just being in closer proximity, perhaps for brief moments during travel. And I I just felt like there was almost certainly going to be some situation like this. Hopefully, this is the extent of it. But I, I say that kind of crossing my fingers, knowing that we probably haven't heard the last of situations like this whatsoever. And I think the interesting thing, too, that was brought to my attention is that you can go on the injured list. I guess the the way they're designating everything this year, you can go on the IL for a COVID or COVID-related illness, and then the minimum number of days you ordinarily would have to spend on the IL uh, does not apply. So that's a really odd wrinkle, too, because you know we've talked about players, I think, like Juan Soto, who need to have the two negative tests 24 hours apart before they're cleared to return. Uh, so it's not necessarily... The IL stand is not necessarily indicative of a lengthy absence, even though it's pretty easy to assume that in a virus-related situation, it's going to be you know, at least a week, probably closer to two, start to finish for a player to get all the way back to take those tests, to get those two negatives, and to be healthy enough and well enough to start playing again. So uh, all that to say, um, I'm just... I'm discouraged by Sunday's news, even though it wasn't completely out of left field. It was just one of those things that seemed inevitable with the start of the season. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, it came up on us fast here. I mean, you know, we're just a few days in. So like you said, something we either anticipated or should have been anticipating, um, you know, and yet, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, you know, happened very quickly. Um, in this 2020 season, a couple of uh, players who are working their way back from injuries, Anthony Rendon with his oblique injury, Byron Buxton with his foot injury, they could be back this coming week, maybe early in the week. So what would be your call on starting either Rendon or Buxton? Yeah, I think with, with Buxton, I think the twins first game is Tuesday. So hopefully you have an alternative who doesn't play until Tuesday and that buys you an extra day to gather more information they didn't place him on the IL to begin the year, which makes me think he's close. If you had to make that call Monday because of the way your alternatives work, I'd probably err on the side of playing Buxton if I really felt like I needed the speed. If you have someone that has an equal number of games on the schedule who is likely to play in all those games, that might be a situation that just bumps me off of Buxton for this week only. Rendon, I think being a more uh, high-end player, a more uh, high-floor guy especially, I think I'm even more comfortable trying to start him this week because based on everything they've been saying, he's been tracking toward playing at the beginning of this week. But like everything in our worlds right now, you know, it's subject to change with more information prior to game time. Right. And so hopefully when you're you're listening to this, you have some time to uh, check the latest reports because uh, things could definitely change. And uh, I'm assuming or I'm, I guess I shouldn't assume I don't see any way that you can start Shohei Otani or James Paxton. Very uh, disappointing debuts for both of them, both, of course, coming back from uh, their own uh, injuries and health issues. So um, 
any disagreement there? Yeah, I mean, with Otani, I, I think it's tough because he also has a pretty tough matchup. It's the Astros, and it's on Sunday. So if they change their mind, in a lot of leagues, like weekly leagues, it's going to lock in for the entire week, and you're going to find out last minute that you should have used them as a hitter, but you used them as a pitcher. So uh, <laughs> if you have the option to use them as one or the other, I would use him as a hitter this week. He'll catch four different righties. If he doesn't pitch on Sunday, he'll get to hit Saturday against Zach Grinke. If he pitches Sunday, then he's only going to probably hit three, maybe four times if they put him out there against the lefty. Uh, it, it's really discouraging. I mean, I I thought Otani would kind of get back to the level that we saw in 2018, and maybe he still will, but I was really excited to watch him pitch, and, and it was just one of those things that didn't at all live up to the expectations. And James Paxton, I, I feel for him because he was throwing on his own throughout the shutdown. It seemed like he was in a good place health-wise, and he just didn't seem comfortable in his first start of the season. So um, thinking about erring on the side of caution with Paxton for sure, just given the way that first start played out. Yeah, uh, and I agree there. And just a couple of quick notes, uh, one relating to that Otani start. He was relieved by Matt Andres. He pitched five and two-thirds scoreless innings. So if you need a Verlander replacement, um, that, by the way, is uh, something I went with as a Verlander replacement in the league. So uh, he's out there. Uh, also, the Padres Hill already have stolen as a team seven bases, of course, all against the Diamondbacks. Tommy Pham has four of those. So maybe something to look there in terms of the Diamondbacks maybe being very porous with stolen bases or the Padres just being very aggressive. Uh, we'll need to see more there. And finally, here, uh, our featured read of the day from Derek Van Riper, his weekly ads and drops column, Blue Jays, bat, Blue Jays bats and two-star pitchers top the target list. I understand it may be uh, late for a lot of people to add for the week, but you may need to make room uh, for your ads. So at least check out the drops if nothing else. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 and everything from the site, everything that we do is all a part of your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll return here on Tuesday. Tuesday.